So in the last couple of weeks, I'm, I'm going to speak to you just briefly now, but I just wanted to start by, by saying in the last couple of weeks, uh, we've seen a bit of uh, leadership controversy across the world and in our own nation. Uh, two things to me really stand out when I'm thinking about that that have happened recently that have made uh, really big news headlines. Uh, one of them uh, is that you've... My children are beautiful and I love them. Um, you'd have to have been hiding under a rock somewhere uh, out in the desert to have missed that uh, old Don Trump uh, has been impeached uh, pending approval by the Senate. I'm not entirely sure how impeachments work. You can correct me on this afterwards if I've got that wrong. Uh, but his impeachment comes, uh, as you might know, as the result of allegations that he has placed pressure on the Ukrainian government to uh, dig up info to... Uh, 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 discredit, there's the word, one of his opponents in the upcoming pres presidential election. Um, true or not, serious allegations, right? Um, the other thing that stood out to me, leadership-wise, is that uh, no less serious, of course, there's some sarcasm in that sentence, the, the, the allegations against our own Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, that he went on holiday at one point. Um, maybe a little bit less serious, let's be honest, uh, versus pressuring the Ukrainian government um, but, uh, but some have been outraged by that, some have been underaged by that, some have been outraged by the outrage about that. Uh, I'm not here tonight to uh, give you a rundown on who I think is right in both of those situations. Uh, I, I don't want to do that, that would very much detract from why we're here. Um, but uh, it's interesting, isn't it, how often we get these vivid illustrations of, of, of leadership and why leaders in our world are always unreliable in some way. I'm not saying we don't have decent leaders, but leaders always fail in at least some way in their time in leadership. Uh, we've been walking as a church here through um, a little Christmas series over the last month or so, looking at um, the message of Christmas, the message of who Jesus is through the words of the old uh, Christmas carol, uh, Joy to the World. And we've looked at the, uh, the, the arrival of Jesus, the saviourhood of Jesus, and the effects of that salvation. But today uh, we're, we're at the point, pointy end of this, as, as we look at the words of the final verse of Joy to the World, which we're going to sing a little bit later, which starts with the words, He rules the world. Tonight we look at Jesus the King. And if you were to pick one of these themes in this carol, by the way, that are that stands out as the most significant, the most prominent, the most repeated, I would say it's probably this. Jesus is the king. You know, think about the words of this song, if you know them. Joy to the world, the Lord, now Lord being another word for a ruler or a king, is come. Let earth receive her king, right? Joy to the world, the saviour reigns. Uh, and of course, he rules the world with truth and grace. In fact, it's not just one of the central themes of this song. It's, it's, it's probably one of the most central themes of the whole Christmas and Christian message. The baby in the manger, he isn't just cute. He isn't just a miracle. He isn't just a sign of God's love. He is king. <clears throat> he is the arrival of the world's one true ruler. 
who alone as creator and sustainer of everything has the right to reign over all of creation. But, but when we planned this series, I knew that that kind of left us with a little bit of a problem, uh, or at least, at least a little bit of a tension, you might say. It's weird to talk about Jesus as the king at Christmas a little bit. Uh, it's, it usually comes up in Christmas sermons, but it's not usually the focus of a Christmas message. Uh, I don't think I've ever been in a Christmas Eve service where Jesus is the king was our, our focus. And there's a, there's a reason for that, isn't there? And it's not just that he doesn't seem very kingly, uh, although, although he doesn't really, does he? Uh, a, a baby in a feed trough doesn't picture, you know, what you think of when you think king. It doesn't really cry, he shall reign forever and ever, as he cries literally in the manger. Uh, but perhaps the, the bigger reason than that uh, is why we don't tend to focus on Jesus the King at Christmas is that it's an uncomfortable concept for a lot of people, uh, especially in our days, right? We don't really tend to trust kings, I don't know if you've noticed. In fact, we don't tend to trust rulers at all or leaders at all. Uh, Australia is really good at not trusting leaders. We, we do it as an art form. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and there's a really good, easy reason why we don't trust leaders. Uh, we don't see good examples, really. Not, not great examples of leadership. In fact, we see so many bad kings, so to speak. I'm not just talking about literal crowned monarchs, you understand. Uh, any person, when a person has authority, we tend to treat them with suspicion, uh, even with opposition, because we so often see power corrupt people. I think we'll know the phrase, absolute power corrupts absolutely. The recent events I mentioned earlier serve as an example of that, don't they? Uh, but there's, there's, there's not one uncontentious leader, I would say, in all of human history uh, that, that everyone agrees was good. Uh, maybe the closest thing we get is actually the ones that we all agree were bad. But let me give you some examples of, 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 of what I mean here. There, there's plenty that you can point to who did some things well, uh, but even they had failings. And if you look at them more closely, the more closely you look, the more failings you find. Example, Winston Churchill. All heard of Winston Churchill, uh, the, the British leader of, of uh, the PM of Britain in World War II. Uh, also an admiral in World War I. Um, now, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the achievements of Winston Churchill. I like him. He's a popular leader in general as well. Um, but in the thick of World War I, as millions, and I'm not overstating there, were dying on the Western and Eastern fronts in the most unimaginable conditions possible. Winston Churchill, a senior admiral in the, the British Admiralty at the time, wrote these words. I think a curse should rest on me. Because I love this war. I know it's smashing and shattering the lives of thousands every moment, and yet I can't help it. I enjoy every second of it. Isn't that monstrous? Abraham Lincoln. Everyone knows old Abe Lincoln, right? I like abbreviating the first names of presidents. Uh, the, the great emancipator, right, who led the U.S., the, the, the union of the U.S. in this American Civil War to free the slaves. Abe Lincoln's presidency oversaw the widespread displacement and killing of Native, Native Americans. We don't talk about that one quite as much. And we're in Australia. Why would we? Uh, in fact, um, there was one incident in which a whole tribe or a whole land area of Native Americans were moved, shipped out of their location because the land was needed for other things, 
put into, uh, marched across a desert and placed into a camp and left to die. Uh, now that decision eventually did get reversed, it's worth saying to Abe's, uh, to his credit. But uh, by that point, about a third of that population had died of starvation or exposure. Good old Abe Lincoln, right? Now, I'm not trying to say that those two are the worst examples of, of human leadership ever. In fact, much the opposite. Those guys are some of the best you can find, right? Historically speaking, they're the ones we look up to. But and by the way, little, little last note on this before I move on. Uh, if you don't believe me yet, think about why we have democracy. Democracy is, exists as a testament to the fact that we don't trust anyone to lead us individually. Uh, if single rulers did a really good job of leading, democracy would be the most inefficient thing in the world. Uh, like, why would you have lots of people do it if one person could do it well? And, and I'm sorry to say it, but it, it's not just because we choose poorly. It's not be because we're, we're bad at figuring out who the good leaders would be. Sometimes we are, but there's a, there's a corrupted attempt at kingship in each one of us. We see, uh, we all seek to be kings. Every person works to be in control in some way. And isn't it our experience that we fail at that? We hurt each other. Even when we don't mean to hurt each other, we hurt each other. And sometimes when we do mean to hurt each other, we hurt each other. We damage each other. And frankly, we damage ourselves as well in our little kingdoms. No one in this room tonight or in this town tonight, or in this world today, can honestly say that they have ruled well all of the time in their lives. That when they have had power over others, they have only done good for those people. I'm not saying that we haven't done any good for others. Don't hear me wrong here. But heck, we can't even honestly say that we've only done good for ourselves. Right? But if there's one person you've really tried to do good for, it's probably you. Right? But... but how often do you find that the things you do, that you do, frustrate you? Isn't that absurd? We, turn, we return to habits that we hate, don't we? We do things that we don't want to do, that, that we thought would be good for us, but that turn out to damage us, that promised so much and delivered so little. You wish you could live better, you wish you could rule your time better, rule your use of your money better, but you find that you fail even to rule yourself well. Is this not just my experience? I hope, well, in some ways I don't hope it, but uh, in fact, the Bible's got an explanation for that uh, of sorts. Uh, it says that we are all living in rebellion against the creator who, who we were made to live under. The Bible calls that rebellion sin. Not a popular word these days. Uh, every attempt we make to live without God and all of the brokenness that comes of that is ultimately an attempt at rebellion against God. And in fact, being in that state of rebellion, it leaves us under one ultimate bad king, worse than all of the other kings, death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. I'm sorry, I know I'm not being very Christmassy right now. My, uh, my bells aren't ringing. You want to know why there is suffering and pain and death in the world? Why we see, seem ruled by these things? Um, that's, that's the question that so many ask, isn't it? So many throw at God. Why do you allow the suffering? 
And the sobering answer is it's the result of our rebellion against him. And so coming back, uh, the reason we don't really often feel comfortable talking about kings and Jesus the king is that every experience we have of kings from the, the people around us and from, from ourselves within us and from the, the death that rules over us, the only experience we have is of bad kings, really. Some better than others. Bad kings. And, and, and so it is my joy to say that it's not just suitable to talk about Jesus the King at Christmas, but it is good news of great joy for you. In the Bible tonight, which uh, Robin came and read to us earlier on, uh, we, we read the words of that prophecy that, that was written hundreds of years before Jesus about Jesus uh, and said, you know, for to us a child is born, to us a, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Jesus came to be king. But the type of king he is is the reason why it's good news. Thank God Jesus is not like the other kings. Jesus is not a ruler who lords it over others. Let me tell you uh, three things about this King Jesus before we wrap up tonight, for, for this bit anyway. And these are things that you will not find consistently in any other ruler. King Jesus is a humble king. Think about those, those words that we read, right, in, in that passage. He is mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Here are some other ways that the Bible talks about him. He is the image of the invisible God. By him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Still reading from the Bible here. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, that doesn't sound so humble, right? But, but the thing about humility is that, that that's just the description of who he is. Humility is not about how much power you have. It's about how you use that power. All of the glory in the universe belongs to him, and yet he comes down as one of us, you know, born in the same way as, as Morris Treasure, right? Humble. He places simple trust in God his Father and follows where he leads. He's born in, in, in poverty, in a manger, a feed trough, and he dies like a criminal on a cross. The final years he walked on earth, he chose to live homeless, on the road, with no great wealth or worldly power to speak of. And, and in fact, with all of his power, you know, considering that he is the image of the invisible God, we can, we can bank on the fact that he chose all of those things. Every stage of his life, he chose to be where he was. He chose to be the baby who couldn't even speak. He chose to be the man hanging on the cross. But not only that, King Jesus is a servant king. He is the sovereign over us and all that there is, and yet he comes to live and to die for us. <clears throat> That's my brain exploding, by the way, for the recording. 
All of that humility didn't happen for nothing. Jesus once said that he did not come to serve, but uh, uh, to be served, but to serve. The whole life of Jesus is this voluntary act of service, caring for those who opposed him, caring for the rebels against God who desperately needed his help. The truth that the Bible presents about us is that we have each gone away from God. We have each rebelled against the king of the universe and we, sit, we each stand under judgment for that. And yet he comes to serve us what we really need. And that really brings us to the thing number three about this King Jesus. King Jesus is a saving king. Jesus isn't just a good king among the bad kings. Uh, he is the good king who comes to do away with all of the bad kings, to deliver us from every bad rule. Listen to those words again that we looked at in the Bible there. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian, the day of Midian being a significant day of salvation in the Old Testament. The, the burdens that are carried by the people of God that are placed on them, he comes to break, to release them from the rule of this world. Jesus comes to break the oppression of bad kings. As Jesus comes to rule, he delivers those who believe in him from the rule of bad kings. And he does it by coming, right? You know, those words that, that he will break the yoke and the rod are followed by, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. It's not just being born, he comes to die. Elsewhere in that same prophetic book, it's written, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. King Jesus saves his people by taking all of the punishment of our rebellion and returning us to where we were made to be. Close relationship with their creator, God, the king. Free from the rule of sin. He gives his people power to say no to our own destructive rule and to rule well in our lives. Free from the reign even of that great king, death. He promises life forevermore for his people. Though we die, yet we will live forever with him. Free from every corrupted power of this world. The Bible says that Jesus is coming back. We don't just celebrate one arrival, one coming at Christmas as a people. We, we celebrate one that's happened and we celebratorily look forward to one that is coming. He's not coming the second time as a baby, but to reign forever. And to finally do away with every broken king. And to judge those who refuse to believe in him, but to give life and freedom forever to his people as they live in joy always with their king. That, that's the only difference, by the way, belief. 
The, the one way that we receive the freedom that is in Jesus is through believing in him. We can fall into the trap of living like it's otherwise. That's by grace you've been saved through faith, Christian, and it's by grace you can be saved through believing anyone who hasn't believed. Now you can do that tonight. You can believe and receive his salvation. That's a thing. No one's beyond his reach. If, if, if that's hidden you, we never want to assume that there is not someone who has not heard the gospel or believed the gospel in our midst here at Gospel Church. If that's you, come and have a chat to me afterwards and, and we can pray together and, and I will be nothing but rejoicing with you. Come. Believe. And this is a call to believe for all of us. Live in belief in the King who brings joy to the world. Would you pray with me? And then the band's going to come back up. Jesus, thank you that you are King. We live in a world where uh, so many try to rule over others. We live in a world where we have made vain attempts to rule and to reign in a in a rebellious way, and yet, Lord, with you on the throne, we are truly free. You're not like the other kings. You're a good king. King Jesus, strike our hearts with your gospel. Strike our hearts with your love and with your reign. Let this Christmas be a celebration of the good king in us and let our lives celebrate it everywhere. We pray it in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.